Hello, travelers. This is KK, your host from Travel Talk with some new insider info. I know that many of you have dreamt of turning your love of travel into a profession, and I am thrilled to announce the launch of a one-of-a-kind mentorship where I will be sharing all my wisdom and insider tips after a decade of exploration through over 100 countries. The program, called Profitable Passport, is designed to guide you step-by-step to success as a travel professional. And here's the best part. Besides us becoming besties, of course, the startup costs for launching a travel business are surprisingly minimal. Want to learn more? Just visit ProfitablePassport.com and let's begin your future in travel. The archipelago of Malta is etched with cliffs and caves, with an occasional beach thrown in. Some sandy, some not so much. On our last episode, we viewed highlights by land. Today, we set out to discover what two of the islands, the largest, Malta, and the smallest, Camino, will look like from the sea. As we go along together in this podcast journey and get to know one another, you will find that I travel in extremes. In some places or even moments, we will be regal, and others, we may be paupers. It is not uncommon for me to stay and dine at the Ritz one night only to be dozing in my car through the next. Today, we get the best of both worlds. We are about to be bougie on a budget. This is KK Robbins, and you are listening to Episode 6 of Travel Talk. While each of today's hotspots can be seen individually by various tour boats, we will be taking the less-traveled route. I have splurged just a smidge and hired our own boat and captain for the day. I say a smidge, for given the reasonable fee, it really is the savvy choice. In addition to a stressless, free-flowing day, we will be moving on our own schedule, allowing us to avoid the crowds. It's just before 9 a.m., and leaving the Embassy Valletta Hotel, we walk a few streets over to Grano, my little sandwich hero. I've pre-ordered lunch to picnic later on board. Malta is well known for its iconic painted window boxes. They are known as oriel windows, and they extend out adorning the facades like peacocks on the otherwise neutral buildings. They're seemingly unique to here, as I have yet to see anything quite like it elsewhere. I have already posted a reel on Facebook and Instagram to make sure you can see these showstoppers. Although we could take the boat directly from a harbor in Valletta, we will shave off some time and depart from the quaint village of Marschukschlag. During the 20-minute taxi ride, we will see the influence of the 164 years as a British colony, beginning with driving on the wrong, I mean left, side of the road. Marschukschlag has a distinctive harbor known for a litany of colorful, elaborately designed fishing boats known as Lutsu that anchor in the bay. There is a wonderful film with the same name that elegantly portrays a local Maltese fisherman's struggles with a backdrop of this stunning scenery. Waterside in the village, it's bustling with fish traders negotiating their catch of the day. Spotting our captain, we set off. Get ready. This will be an epic kind of day. 
a gloriously memorable one in which you won't recall it in fragments, but wholly from now until the end, beginning with the name of our captain, Marcellino. Grazie, Hafner. Thank you very much. Pulling out from the Marschakschlag Bay, we veer right to round the southwestern end of the island and head north towards the Blue Grotto, an imposing group of arches and caves that have been carved into the cliffs by the sea currents. Small tour boats dart in and out for the usual short trip from the nearby dock, with a viewpoint for those who only want to get a glimpse from land. We hold off just outside the caves to take in the grand scale and to seize the opportunity to go in during the pocket of time when the other boats are off reloading. This Blue Grotto is named so after a British captain said it reminded him of the Blue Grotto on the Italian island of Capri. At the time, I would imagine few people had the opportunity to compare or contradict the likeness. Having been inside both, I can say that while each is a wonderment, Capri is truly a grotto. You feel like a giant squeezing through the opening in tiny rowboats, so confined you must often crouch upon entering depending on the tide. This blue grotto is completely reversed. You feel miniature in its wake. The ceiling of the cave is cathedral, with this morning sun offering the best light of the day to illuminate the waters. Staying long enough to capture the essence, we move on before our moment is overtaken by invaders. In a protected spot just outside, we jump in for a quick dip. Floating weightlessly, the massive, imperfect opening of the cave towers over us. Click. I'm collecting this moment. Just ahead, we see groups of divers ready to head 20 to 30 meters below us to Malta's and some say one of the Mediterranean's best dive sites. It sounds amazing and one image I've seen piques my curiosity for sure. However, I will still be taking everyone's word on that. The site is known as Um Ulfarud Rec. It's a 100 plus meter tanker that was scuttled here after an explosion tragically ended the lives of nine dock workers back in the Grand Harbor. Prepared for diving, all the doors and windows have been removed, as well as entrances and exits expanded, and now it is swimming with sea creatures and plant life. They say there are so many rooms to explore, it takes at least two to three separate dives to cover the whole tanker. It is also possible to reach directly from shore, eliminating the need for a boat. See, I don't need to go. It feels like I have been there already. Now midday, I pop open bottles of sparkling rosé and pour over ice. It's my cocktail, per se, for any day trip. I then lay out our feast from Grano. The sandwich is such a funny food, full of hopeful possibilities. I can't think of another dish whose outcome can vary so greatly. Tragic to triumphant, lame to legendary. A mouth-watering sandwich from Grano any sandwich is both triumphant and legendary. I chose several, all cut in halves for easy sharing, including the Castelli Romani with house-made porchetta, grilled peppers, cacio calvallo cheese, and roasted garlic aioli, and the Brontese with mortadella, pistachio pesto, and burrata. 
as well as the carnicero with slow roasted beef, aged cheddar, crispy onions, and house chimichurri. And each was less than eight euros. Like I said, bougie on a budget. Continuing northwest along our journey, we can settle in and take in the views of the dingly cliffs that cover most of the island's west side. The soaring white cliffs are reminiscent of England's white cliffs of Dover. Dingley is also a village of sorts that marks the highest point of the Maltese Islands at 250 meters, with a tiny chapel dedicated to St. Mary perched along the edge. If you go there by land early in the morning, especially during the cooler months, you can walk the trails and witness a layer of fog that rests between the water and the cliffs. The sea conditions on this side of the island are unpredictable, varying from crashing white waves to calm blue water. This side also has golden sand beaches, but with rougher water. The eastern side of the island is less volatile with wide beaches and shallow water, just not as nice sand. Still, it's on that side where you will find most of the beach towns. The farther we make our way up, the better the sunset views. With enough coastline for everyone, it is easy to find a secluded spot along this cliff face. For us, that is still hours away, and I have our own plans mapped out. Just before we reach the end of the island, we pull into a cove to see Popeye Village, the original film set of mishappen ramshackle wooden buildings used for the 1980 movie with Robin Williams. For 40 years, it has stood frozen in time, now an affordable amusement park where you can meet Popeye and Olive Oil and even pay to star in your very own feature that will be filmed the same day. Unfortunately, while they repair damage suffered just a few weeks ago when cyclone-induced rain dislodged a cliff boulder, your 15 minutes of fame is on pause. Keeping our eyes peeled for a possible encounter with a dolphin pod, we reach the smallest of Malta's three islands, Camino. Less than two square miles or three square kilometers in size, it was popular with pirates for years due to its deep caves. Now a mecca for sunbathers flocking to the famous Blue Lagoon. A wide cove with pale turquoise waters surrounded by a low walkable ridge. The natural pool is full of underwater plant life as well as clownfish, like Nemo. Although if we go in now, we are likely to only see someone else's feet. Who's ready for an adventure? While we wait for the day crowds to disperse, we pull up to the quieter and even tinier islet of Comanoto with its own coves and beach. Taking the inflatable kayaks that Captain Marcellino has on board, we set out to explore the calm waters that weave in between the two Cominos and then pull up to the smaller island of Cominoto to explore it a bit on foot. At any point, we can hop in for a swim in these less-traveled waters. I know we will never have the Blue Lagoon completely to ourselves, but when sticking around any hot spot after the main tourists are forced to leave, I find that you feel a sense of community with those fortunate enough to stay behind. As we swim and float in these shallow waters, 
We witness its varying shades of blue as the sun rays lessen and lower, eventually sinking into a bold orange hue. We climb back on board, wrapping into warm robes as we reposition to see the last glimpse as the sun slips into the sea. Did you catch the green flash? It was there. The trick is to focus not on the sun itself, but the edge of the horizon. And exactly as the sun disappears, you can see the pop of color. Returning to Malta, we say farewell to our new friend Marcellino and disembark in St. Paul's Bay. Named so because according to tradition, it was Apostle Paul who brought Christianity to the islands. It was while Paul was being sent to Rome to be tried as a political rebel. Only the ship carrying him and almost 300 others shipwrecked near here, just off the coast. Miraculously, none perished, all scrambling safely to land. The warm welcome given to the survivors is described by Luke in the Acts of the Apostles. It is said that as a fire was lit, Apostle Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake, and suffering no consequence, islanders saw it as a sign. Paul sheltered for the winter for three months in a cave outside Imdina, the silent city we toured in the previous episode. Summoned by Publius, the Roman governor of Malta who lived nearby, it is believed that Paul cured Publius's father of a deadly fever, converting the Roman governor to Christianity and making him the first bishop of Malta. The Cathedral of Imdina is said to stand on the site of Publius's former house. To this day, you will see tributes to St. Paul around every turn on the island, including his statue at the site of the shipwreck on St. Paul's Island. And Christian values are still deep-rooted, with over 95% of the population identifying as either Catholic or Christian. There are over 365 stunning Catholic churches shared among the three islands, compared to one mosque and one synagogue. Divorce was only legalized in 2011 and by a margin of 53%. At the time of the vote, Malta was one of only three countries in the world where divorce was not permitted, the Philippines and Vatican City being the other two. Regardless of religious beliefs, I believe everyone can agree on one thing. Malta is miraculous. Join me next Tuesday when I will counter the myth that there is nothing to see in Napoli. We will also start sessions of Q&KK where I will answer your burning travel questions. Saha. Cheers.
Hopefully you were inspired with Wanderlust today, and I am excited to share that after much delay, a new season of Travel Talk full of episodes with a twist will begin dropping again soon.